listen to the voice inside your head You're doing just fine, you're trying your best And no one ever told you it's all gonna be okay just people never sleeping on the stupid shit We won't remember in the morning, yeah, we're gonna forget No one ever told you it's all gonna be okay You lose faith in everything you ever knew Don't give up on me Like it's overwhelming Relying on yourself is hard to do Good day, everybody, and welcome to One Life Livid Podcast. I'm your host, Steve Callahan, and I'm incredibly grateful to be joined again by my friend, Michelle Thorne. And I'm incredibly grateful to be here, Steve. Thank you for giving me this opportunity to continue to share his story. And just to let everybody know that certainly this is something that I hope to continue to be an ongoing uh, discussion. Uh, we have no time limit on this message. Um, and we began a story, a chapter last week, and we, there's just so much more to share. There's so much more to share about life uh, and so many stories that I believe that you can take and, and hopefully guide yourself uh, and nudge you and your loved ones in the right direction. Uh, so again, episode 37, One Life Live a Podcast. We're thankful that you're here. Uh, last week, we had an incredible global audience and um, our, our story, um, uh, Michelle's story, Travis's story uh, began uh, a long time ago, but um, for, the, for, for those that may know, uh, started on July 4th, um, 2021, in a very tragic accident. Uh, it was, uh, became more eventful uh, in the past number of weeks um, with news articles um, about impending uh, arrests and charges, and it really gave it another life uh, itself. Uh, we discussed that last week. We discussed the impact that it had, and... Um, Certainly love Michelle to talk just a little bit of a, of a roundup of what we discussed last week and maybe what may have happened over the last seven days yeah. uh, for you as well. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, just to recap, really, I mean, we lost Travis July 4th uh, last year in a car accident, um, completely random car accident. Uh, and that was the headline that day. And of course, as a result, you know, there was an investigation ongoing and that investigation got wrapped up just a couple of weeks ago. And of course we were involved with, um, you know, RNC um, has kept us informed at every step and, and we were aware of the charges to be laid against the driver who was also, you know, a best buddy of Travis's, there, there was no intent that night. It was, it was carelessness, it was inexperience, it was a horrible accident. And unfortunately, he didn't come home that night. Um, so, you know, we spent the last seven months learning how to live with that, learning how to move forward without him, uh, not just me and, and my family, but you know, everybody who was involved that night and, and all of the kids and, and the peers, you know, who, who lost a friend that night as, as well. 
and we were doing pretty good. Um, you know, we were you know a little bit forward every day. Uh, and about two weeks ago, uh, unexpectedly for us, there was a media release um, where the RNC issued the media release about the charges, the dangerous driving, um, you know, charges that were being laid against the driver. And it kind of hit us, um, it kind of stopped guard uh, because we weren't prepared for that media release that day. And the point of last week's discussion was the impact of that because it sent everybody involved back to the night of July 4th. There was a lot of emotion. There was a lot of turmoil there, you know, a lot of work that everybody has been done for the last seven months trying to learn how to move forward. You know, there were a lot of setbacks there. And, and I talked a lot last week about, you know, the ramifications of a headline like that and the tendency for people to go in online and make insensitive or, you know, uninformed remarks, you know, to think about who's reading that and, and to think about the effects that this has on, on everybody, you know, who knew anybody or who was involved. And, and you know what, it, it was, it was, it was, it, it was like July 4th all over again for, for many of us. So uh, that was our past week. And, you know, it's, it's taken a bit of work this past couple of weeks to get past that mm -hmm. uh, and, and to get back on track and to start moving forward again. But, you know, what I really wanted to talk about today was because July 4th, that was a headline. It was a car accident on the Pooch Cove Highway. And, you know, and, and a 16 year old boy, you know, was killed. And two weeks ago, there was another headline, you know, that, you know, as a result of the investigation that charges were laid against the driver. So those were the news headlines, but that's, that's not the story. Um, and, and that's why I come on here and, and other platforms to speak because that's not the story of who Travis was. And there, there's a bigger story, you know, at, at hand here. And it's a story that goes back to, you know, months prior to, to July 4th. Um, uh, and it, it's, you know, it's about who he was and what he was going through and about the events that he's he set in motion and, and the reason why we're working so hard today to set up a wellness foundation in his name. It's something that he set into motion and left us here to, to continue with it. It's like he laid out the roadmap for us and said, okay, mom, I got it started and now you have to run with it. Let me be clear on another thing too. Yeah. Uh, the emotions that have been stirred up with this uh, have also because the person driving the car was Travis's best friend. Yeah. Um, and another 16 year old boy, um, young man. 17. 17. And, and you had been working together with the family and everybody that involved uh, to move forward together. And that is incredible in itself. Let me just, I just want to be clear with everybody. July 4th, 2021. We have been living in a world for the past two years, dating back to March 18th, 2020, where locally we feel our world has been turned upside down. We feel we've been living in stressful times. We've been asked to do things. We've been asked not to do things. We've had things put in our place where we believe that our life has become 
such a detriment as to, as opposed to other things happening around us. And I want you to keep that in mind because part of Travis's story was happening throughout this global pause. This global pause where we were told, and I believe again, as I said many times on this podcast, that this was the greatest gift given to us in a sense of it was a pause for us to look inward, to go backwards, to stop, um, to look around, to take uh, inventory of what was important. So throughout that time where many of us had not been doing that, Travis took full responsibility, took full, um, he invested in himself. He was doing that. And, and throughout a period where we were coming out of our pause, he was fully immersed in his life throughout that. And then that's, I, I think you need to really keep that in mind as you listen to this podcast or as you view it uh, on any other medium, that March 2020, from that point on, he had made a decision or he was making the decision. March 2021. 2021, yes. Yeah. But, and again, because there was a time when there was a struggle for him that I want you to share, but I want everybody else to understand the dates as to when this was happening. So that when you're there uh, taking life inventory yourself, uh, think about the strength that you think that you do not have and the strength that others may have. There was a story, there was a headline, I'm sorry, on July 4th, but there was a story before that. Oh, very much. And, I and, think and that's, we were talking about it as a family and, and friends in the weeks prior to yes july 4th and in the months prior to july 4th um because you know what he was a, a kid that was leading by example mm. and um you know you're gonna think back to march for a moment i think that's around a time that we went into another lockdown um yeah. you couldn't get into the gym you couldn't do a lot of things um but before that yeah where was travis before that like uh you know as a gymnast as, as wow. somebody who was very active that way you know, you roll back a couple of years and um, his, you know, this story that I'm going to tell you starts uh, about two years prior, 2019, uh, when he was 14. Mm -hmm. And, you know, up until then, uh, he had been very active in the gymnastics community. He was a um, competitive gymnast with Cygnus here in St. John's uh, for... I don't know, six, seven years, like, you know, they, they toured, they did tournaments, um, you know, won awards, they, they trained really, really hard. Uh, so these boys, um, they did 20 hours a week of very intense physical training. And like I said to you last week, you know, what they did in a, in a normal session makes our workouts yeah. look like a joke. Um, but you know, that they were, they were trained to do that. So you know, these kids, um, you know, they had a really good structure, really good routines in place. Uh, they were in top physical condition, very strong, both physically and mentally, because it goes hand in hand. So when they're living in, in that mode, you know, they, they have mentors, they have mm -hmm. coaches that they, they look up to, and they have that structure, and they have those routines. And, you know, I remember with Travis, for example, you know, if his coach said, I don't eat junk food, but I only eat pizza on Friday. Travis only ate pizza on Friday. And, uh, you know, they, they, as young boys, young kids and, and girls too, you know, they, they really look up to these coaches and, and these mentors in, the, in these environments. And, you know, I, I don't know a lot of the time that they realize how valuable 
their leadership is, but these kids are, lo are looking up to them and really, you know, really shaping their futures. So he was very active in that community. Um, you know, he was the kid that I didn't have to worry about. Mm. He was happy. He was, he was in good health. He was active, you know, his, he wasn't an honor student, but he was, he was holding his own, you know, he came up through the French immersion program. And yeah. he, he, so I, I didn't have, I didn't have any concerns um, until I did. Mm. And it, it all started to happen very quickly. And, and my oldest daughter, you know, during that time had been dealing with anxiety and, you know, struggles in school and you know, spent a lot of time working with her uh, through that. And she was, you know, kind of just coming through that and felt like this sense of relief and, okay, you know, great, we can take a little break. And all of a sudden, things started to change with Travis. And, you know, I can kind of pinpoint when I'll say we went down a rabbit hole for about two years and I can trace it back kind of to, uh, I guess it was 2019, just before school started that summer, he broke his leg. Mm -hmm. uh, he had a very severe break and he spent the rest of the summer in a cast, um, got back in school, same year he was heading into the high school and our high school at the time, uh, they started high school at eighth grade so now you've got these little tiny oh, eighth graders going in with you know very in some cases you know what looked like grown yeah. men kind of thing yeah, it was, sure. uh, you know so that coming out of you know the younger school going to the mm -hmm. bigger one he's got the broken leg he started hanging out with all the kids uh his gymnastics career was disrupted he, he was doing physiotherapy trying to get the strength back in his leg uh a couple of weeks into that he wiped out on a school gym and gave himself a concussion not the first one, you know, he, yeah. he played hard. He played mm -hmm. hard, um, very active kid, you know, his entire life, yeah. um, you know, so there was a series of events there. And I'm sure, you know, a lot of parents see this or a lot of kids go through that, but you know, sometimes they're in a hurry to grow up and they're in a hurry to hang out with the big kids and they're in a hurry to, you know, do things that they, they you know, bigger kid things, mm -hmm. I don't know. But, you know, he started hanging out with the older kids and he he started to get getting out of gymnastics really, you know, it, it was a, that was a, a turning point in the wrong direction. So gymnastics was, yeah. Kept him was grounded. an incredible structure in his life, Very incredible much. discipline, yeah. uh, beautiful mentors. Uh, you had mentioned your daughter. Good group of people around yeah. him, you know, they were all very yeah. close. Um, they grew up together. I, I just, you know, I've, I've had a lifetime of sports and I, you know, and just found that there was never any troubles on the weekends because they were just too tired to, to kind of do anything else with training. And then yeah. there was always something to reflect back on. Um, I want to, I want us to take it up where he, you know, he, he had certainly suffered the injury and began to uh, hang out with some, some older kids, but what does anxiety look like? And, and let me let me just explain. Uh, you had mentioned your daughter's struggles. Um, I want this to be real, and I know that that Travis had experienced some anxieties as well. And and certainly within the calendar time of of our global pause, um, I mean, what's it look like? Like I know, like we can. And, I, and people I say I have anxiety. One answer for that. I think it looks different for different mm. people. And you know, even though. Uh, his older sister, you know, had gone through that and, and still deals with it. It looks different on different people. And, uh, you know, to be honest, 
I didn't see it. Right. I didn't see it. It was it was a surprise, and and I don't know what came first because you know around that time when, you know, heading into the high school and mm-hmm. going kids, you know, he also, you know, got exposed to. You know, there was there was vaping, there was yeah. weed. I I know that they experimented with harder drugs, and it, it was a real rattle. Uh, it was a really scary time, and I don't know what came first. I don't know if the anxiety came first, right. and you know, doing these other things was a way of dealing with that, or is that what created the anxiety? To this day, I don't know. I don't know if I'll ever know, because it's. You know, it's everybody's different. It's different on different people. But what I do know is that we had a couple of really scary, hard years. Um, he was, uh, you know, not only was he introduced to that world, um, and concerningly, uh, it it seems to be a little too common. Um, I, I feel like you know a lot of kids even at this point are desensitized to a lot of what's readily available to mm-hmm. them you know in in their high school years because it is so prevalent and and so common and, and that's scary in itself but you know what he was dealing with you know for during that time I didn't recognize the anxiety part of it until later because we went through that period where there were drugs and there was weed and there was, you know, I, I had a child who all of a child that I never had to worry about, that I had no concerns, well-grounded, focused, happy, mm. you know, mentally strong, all of a sudden wasn't. And it was a surprise. And, you know, I, I think back to, should I have seen it, you know, or, 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 how how could I not have seen it? Um, but you know, it 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 was like it was like all of a sudden, you got a different kid yeah. under your roof, and it was scary. Um, so you know, there was a couple of years there where he wasn't talking to us all the time. He was um, wasn't open yeah. about you know who he was with or where he was. Um, you know, he, he was a different kid. And, and, you know, there was a, t- a period there where I felt like I had already lost him. Right. I felt like I had already lost him. And I had my nights driving around the city searching for him. And I had my nights sitting outside his bedroom door, listening to him cry or yell or, or you know, he had periods where he was angry. He had periods where he was you know, extremely upset. He wasn't ready to talk to me or, or to talk to anybody else. I mean, it's not that, you know, you, you're not trying to um, find him the support or find him the answers, but they have to be ready to, yes. you know, they, they have to be ready to um, seek that help as well and to accept it. Um, so, you know, I, I had my night sitting outside the bedroom door listening you know trying to if he wasn't going to talk to me directly just trying to see what i could hear that could help me find a way to to help him i i had my nights you know driving around looking for him i i had my mornings where i would tiptoe 
to his door and, and put my ear up to the door and, and listen just to make sure that I could hear him breathe or that I could hear him move because yeah. then I knew he made it through another night because that was that was a very real fear for me yeah. back then. I, I was terrified. I was terrified that one morning he just wasn't going to get up. And I felt helpless. And, um, you know, I, we, we, we called the 1-800 numbers. We talked to the doctor. We talked to counselors. We talked to the schools. Had a lot of gaps. Um, you know, I, I remember, I, I don't know if it was the Christmas that he was 14 or the Christmas that he was 15. But it got really scary. And I, and I don't know if he was, if it was something that he was on or I don't know if it was a case of that he hadn't slept in so long that he was just spinning out of control. But it got really scary one night, you know, that Christmas. And we dragged him kicking and screaming to the gangway. And I begged them to take him in mm. because I felt like he needed to be admitted. Mm. And, um, you know, we spoke with the staff, the nurse on duty and they told us we looked like a very well-adjusted family <laughs> and sent us home. I think the word teenage angst may have been used. Yeah. And I, I just remember thinking, you know, if this is well-adjusted, you right. must have some really scary cases. I, I was terrified, I was terrified, and I, and I felt helpless. And, um, you know, around that same time, I was on the phone and I did talk to Central Intake and I did talk to you know, the people at the end of the 1-800 numbers. And, and I did search out drug rehab centers. And, and I remember I called Hope Valley mm -hmm. and I begged them to take him. I begged, you know, I will, I was ready to put him in the car. I will drive to Grand Falls, wherever it is, please, you know, admit him yeah. and, and help me get him some help because, because I, I don't know what else to do. Mm -hmm. And I was terrified that I was going to lose him at that point and I didn't understand it at the time but I do now is that at 14 years old even though you're the parent you can't force them into rehab no you can drive them there and you can send them in but you can't force them into to rehab and, and they're not going to take them in if your child is not making their own decision to go in. And I, I didn't understand that at the time, but I do now, because if they're not ready, if they're not ready to accept that help, you can't force them. And that's really hard to accept as a parent. Very much. Um, Very. I have, um, I have experienced um, the dissolvement of relationships based on, um, uh, drugs and alcohol, and I have learned so much. And I know that I speak to so many people and that I have often said that until you become emotionally dissatisfied with the state of being that you are in the moment, you will not make a change. Yes. And you have to make that decision for yourself. You have to get to a point where you no longer love that person that you are right now but wish to become in love with the person that you used to be or or want to be and I think that is 
incredible because this story doesn't doesn't end. Uh, we are talking about chapters. We are talking about a chapter in our previous discussion, and we're talking about a chapter right now. But we're not talking about the end or the or the story by any means. And I don't I don't I don't know if this story will really ever end. Um, truthfully, from the energy that has been created. Um, was there a particular, were you aware of a particular drug at that point in time that you were encouraging, uh, you know, help with, or was it just, you, you weren't aware, or was it a series, or time, was it the actions? I believe it was mostly um, marijuana okay. and vaping, but I, there was one night in particular, mm -hmm. um, and he never, ever was willing to speak to me about it, or, or admit it to me, or maybe mm -hmm. to himself, but there was one night when I sat outside his door and I heard him, I heard him break down on the phone to a friend and thank God, you know, he had friends mm. to answer those phone calls because they, they lean on each other and they support each other. They talk each other through a lot more than, than we're really aware we of. We discussed that last week we that we at our age believe that we often say as parents, uh, you know, kids are not connected today. They should be you know, away from electronics and away from these things, and be and 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 get to be more into you know intimate and 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 connected with one another. They are more connected than we could ever dream to be. Yeah, they're they're connected in a different way. In a different way. But they're having some pretty tough, real yeah. conversations amongst themselves, and you know, and, and I've learned since that Travis and his friends, they were talking about all of this. Mm -hmm. They were talking about drugs. They were talking about anxiety. They were talking about suicide intervention mm -hmm. they talk about all of these things on a regular basis with each other and they talk each other through these things so they you know when they're on those facetime calls at 3 a.m in the morning and yeah. you know you're you're upset because they they should be in bed there's a good chance they're talking a friend through something yeah. and i've heard many of these stories since i've had many messages from kids who say you know I was going through something and, and he would, he'd stay up and he'd, he'd talk with me on, until I, I felt better or he'd talk me through this or guide me through that. And there's a lot of that going on. Um, but uh, yeah, so I mean, you know, like at that time, you know, for example, when I was making those phone calls, you know, I believe it was mm. mainly marijuana and, and, and vaping and things. But I, I know there was one night in particular because I sat outside his door at three in the morning and heard him break down to a friend. And, and it was Molly, which I, I think is ecstasy. I'm not hundred percent sure, but I know he had a really bad experience that night. Mm -hmm. um, and I know that's the night, one of those nights that I was out driving around looking for him and I couldn't find him. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I actually, I, I, I actually, what I did find that night was a police officer. Who, who told me to go home and, and call a number and we filed a missing persons and you know and and you know he called me the next morning and he sounded perfectly fine he was yeah. he was at a buddy's he was having breakfast and there was no indication that there was anything wrong and i i spent the night terrified and i'm sure that you know many others listening to this can you know have had similar experiences and, and similar fears and and one of the reasons that I'm so open to speak about this right now is because I know that when we were going through this, uh, it's very isolating. Mm -hmm. And as a parent, you, you may be very reluctant to speak about it. 
you, you, you know, as the adult may hide it from your own family, from your own friends, because, you know, everybody's life looks great out there on Facebook, yeah. right? We put all the good stuff yeah. out there and you think that you're the only one who, who's living yeah. like this. And that's, that's not the case. Uh, I, I've had a lot of people open up to me since, you know, share similar stories, but you don't want, you know, you're afraid of being judged. It's embarrassing. You're afraid you're not doing everything that you're supposed to do. You, you know, you, you know, how could this happen, you know, to, to my family and, you know, and, and in the background, you're, you're calling those numbers and you're reaching out and, you know, you're talking to counselors and therapists and everything. But at the end of the day, whether it's a child or an adult, if you're going to make a change, if you don't like your life the way it is right now, the only person who can change it is you. You have to make that choice. You have to ask for the help. You have to make that choice. And you have to do the hard work. Nobody can do it for you. You, um, you made mention, and one of my favorite quotes is, if we threw everybody's shit in the pile, including our own, we'd be happy if we pulled ours oh, out. Yeah. Um, and you mentioned the word embarrassed. There is so many times, and, I, and we are speaking to so many people today. We're hoping that we're speaking to so many people today globally that, that first of all, if you're somebody who's young, uh, maybe you know, contemplating some of these uh, habits, contemplating some of these things to do, please understand that the people that love you, your, your moms, your dads, your brothers, sisters, grandparents, are constantly thinking about you, constantly. And there is those opportunities to reach out. Uh, as you can hear so many times, and I can attest to this as well, the sleepless nights are the worst. You watch it go from dark to light is incredible. I know you can relate to that. I know I can relate to that. Uh, having stayed up so many nights thinking about uh, the person that may be going down that dark road. So if you are somebody thinking that nobody is thinking about you, I can tell you, that your loved ones are and it's okay to reach out uh, in those moments um, uh, for help and 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 it's okay to be tough and it's also okay to be vulnerable it's also okay to and that's what we we were we've we've been vulnerable you were vulnerable last week and i think it's one of the most powerful things and one probably the key moment that allows for healing i don't think we ever heal but allows for healing we learn for to live with it yeah. it's life is never going to be the same mm. um it's never going to be okay mm. uh we can't change it we can't go back but we've still got a lot of life ahead of us and we we need to learn how to we need to learn how to do that and um you know we need to do it for ourselves and we need to do it for him and, and we need to do it for, you know, for, for everybody else who, who's still out there. But I mean, again, one of the reasons that I speak is because, you know, and, I, and I'm going to tell you more about Travis's story in a yes. second, but when you're in that place where everything feels completely helpless and it's, it's dark and you think that nobody would care mm. if you don't get up tomorrow. Yeah. I gotta tell you, you know, that's not the case, but I know that there, and, and I've seen it. 
I've seen it. I, I see it in my Facebook feed. I see it in the messages. Uh, a lot of people are very open with me right now, and and, and I'm glad. And you, you know, and, and and I won't name any names, but um, you know, I see that. And you know, that feeling of helplessness. And you know, maybe everybody would be just better off if if I wasn't here. That feeling like you're a burden. And you and you gotta know you're not. Because, you know, like as a parent, listen, I'm the first to admit, we don't always know what we're doing. No, right? we don't. No, you know, don't. the world that we grew up in, yeah. it's very different. Mm -hmm. and, and especially these last two years, because, you know, all of, you know, I, I said in another interview that, you know, I don't know a parent out there right now who doesn't have a child who's dealing with one of these issues on some level, whether it be anxiety or addiction or, you know, depression or suicide, I don't know a family who hasn't been touched in some way. But I do know that the majority of us are reluctant to talk about it or acknowledge it. And maybe we don't see it right away. It doesn't always, you know, show up with a big sign that says, hey, you know, this is what's going on. I mean, Sometimes, you know, sometimes you're, you're blindsided. Sometimes it's the person who appears to have the world by the tail. It's, it's the one who's always making you laugh. Yeah. It's the life of the party. It's, it's the one who, who looks like everything is just going great. And that might be their way of, you know, compensating or hiding. But I mean, you know, the point of this and the reason I share Travis's story is because he was in that place. Was. We've seen it. I've, you know, I've, I've seen notes that he's written to himself. I've, I've watched him go through some, some horrible days and nights when he just wasn't himself. And, and I've lived that fear of worrying whether or not my child was going to get up the next day. And I tell you, no matter what you've done, mm -hmm. no matter what mistakes you've made or what you've done, your family and your friends still want you to get up tomorrow, mm -hmm. right? And no matter how dark it is, you know, it can get better. And, and that's the story, you know, that again, that's why I talk about Travis so much these days is because he did find his way back. He went to that very dark place and he had those thoughts and he had those discussions. And, and he, you know, I talked to her earlier about, you know, how he was in the gymnastics world. And, you know, at that point, you know, they, they knew what it felt like to be on top. Mm. You know, they were, yeah. they were in excellent physical condition. And along with that came, you know, mental strength and emotional strength and, you know, good structures and, you know, they knew what it felt like to feel good, mm. right? But Travis made a decision. He did, because, you know, again, go through those couple of years, he also knew what it felt like to hit bottom. Mm. And in his case, he had a guidepost. He knew where he was trying to get back to. Mm. And not every kid does. Not every kid knows what it feels like to be in top physical health and to feel strong and, and to feel you know, grounded yeah. and focused. In his case, you know, he had that experience, thankfully, and he knew what he was missing because, but he also knew what it felt like to hit bottom. 
and that was a scary place to be and and he knew what it felt like to try and claw his way back out of that um so you know when i think you know back in march and i found um after the funeral i was going through his phone mm -hmm. i was looking for a smoothie recipe actually and I found some notes that he had written to himself. And I, I've shared them, I'll, I'll send them to you and you can attach them, I yeah. guess, to, to this yeah, podcast. Sure. Um, don't have them printed out with me right now, but they were notes that he wrote to himself. And it was, it was a pretty powerful conversation, you know, that he was having with himself at that moment, telling himself, you know, I'm worthy, mm -hmm. you know, I've got this, right? You know, recognizing that even though he had battled with anxiety and addiction, that that didn't define who he was mm -hmm. and that he was better than that and that he was going to, you know, he was going to beat that and he was going to come back and he wanted, he wanted people to be proud of him. He wanted to be proud of himself. He wanted to get better grades. He wanted to get a part-time job. He listed out his goals. Um, but, you know, at the, at the very bottom, his last words were, I've got this. Mm. And, and he did. He did. And that's why I share this because, you know, anyone who, who knew him, we watched him hit bottom. And we watched him pull himself back out of it. And it wasn't easy. But, but you know, back around March is when he wrote those notes to himself. And when I think back, um, you know, that's around the time that he started to open up to me again. That's around the time that he started asking, he started to ask for help. He was searching for solutions. And we talked about many things, you know, we talked about medication. We talked about therapy. We talked about, um, he, he talked about getting back into gymnastics. Uh, he wasn't quite ready he didn't want to go back on a competitive level because that was a really high commitment, but he recognized that he was at his best when he was doing some form of physical activity. So we talked about different ways to get him back into that. You know, maybe he would go to this gymnastics club or that gymnastics club, or, you know, he tried getting a, a gym membership, but you know, he, he was on his own and he wasn't really still getting the, the guidance and the, the structure that he needed. He tried a few things, but you know, that week, um, he came and he asked if he could try a couple sessions with my personal trainer. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So I've been working out with somebody a couple of times a week, um, you know, just because, you know what, he pushes me harder than I would push myself. That's right. right? <laughs> and, and I have to that show up be, because be <laughs> I, know, I know what you can do. <laughs> well, you know, the reality, out, you know, yeah. the truth is I wouldn't do half what I do if Mm -hmm. he didn't push me to do it or if I didn't have to show up at that yeah. preset time so Travis came to me around then and said you know what mom I think I'd like to try a couple of sessions with your trainer mm -hmm. and um that was in March and that was around the same time we went back into lockdown and we were doing our gym sessions through zoom <clears throat> Yeah. So, you know, because again, COVID has yeah. added an extra layer of yes. complication to everything that we've tried to do for the past two years. So he was, you know, ready at that point to get himself back into the gym, but getting back into the gym in March wasn't an option. Uh, Zoom didn't really work for him. He needed that, you know, one-on-one in-person kind of thing. So 
um, you know, we, we, we kept, the plan was still there, but we had to wait a little bit to, to get them in. So I, I can't remember, maybe it was, you know, April, May, I'm not sure, you know, when we were able to, to get them back in there, but he came to me again and he said, mom, he said, I definitely want to try a couple sessions with your trainer. So great. That was on a Sunday and I called and we had him in for four o'clock on Monday. Okay. And, um, I remember he came out that day and he got in the car and he had a smile on his face. Um, and, and I had had this gut feeling, you know, all along that if I could just get him back into yeah. the gym environment, because that's where he had been at his best. I mean, right. that's the best point in his life. You know, the, he was at his best when he was, he was a kid with a lot of energy, mm. uh, always had a lot of energy, but he was at his best when he was in some sort of physical activity program, right? Um, always moving, um, and he needed the he needed the mentorship. He needed the coaches as well. That was the other thing that he was missing, you know, after the broken leg and that downhill spiral. You know, that was missing from his life at that point too, and that was really important. That was a big loss, um, you know. So got him back into the gym the next day. He got he got in the car the next day, and he's he was smiling. It was first time I had seen him smile in a very long time. You know, because you remember at this point, he, he was pretty low. His self-confidence was, was gone. You know, his self-esteem was gone. He was embarrassed by things that he had done. He didn't feel good. He was tired. He didn't, he didn't feel healthy. Um, it was hard. It was, it was, it was hard to watch. Um, but he got in that car today and his mom, he said, mom, this is exactly what I need. Yeah. And, and we were having a lot of discussions at that point because he was really searching. He was really searching for solutions. He was really trying to find his way back because, again, he knew what it felt like to be on top and he wanted it back. And at that point, he also recognized that he was the one. He had to make the choice. The only person who was going to be able to do that was him. We could we can help him, you know, we, we can, can provide the tools, we can drive him, we can encourage, but he had to make that decision for himself. So that was a real turning point for him. And we had some discussions around that time because, you know, at that time, he was trying to fix his whole life. You know, he was trying to, you know, he was trying to, uh, he was trying to distance himself from any sort of substance abuse. Yeah. He was trying to get his physical self back on track. His, his schoolwork, I mean, his, his marks were in the toilet and he had all this pressure on himself because he felt like he had, had to get caught up in the next two months. He felt like he needed to catch up on basically two years of schoolwork in the next two yeah. months. And he was putting that pressure on himself. It, he was overwhelmed. Mm. And at that point in his life, he wasn't sleeping. Mm. He... Um, he didn't sleep because his mind would race when he went to bed at night. His mind would race, and then he'd have to get up and, and he'd walk yeah, or that, even have to go. That could come from being overwhelmed. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It was it was this you know vicious yeah. spiral, um, panic attacks, and again something that I didn't recognize right away yeah. until I saw him in the middle of one, and mm. it was it was scary and it, and it was a shock to see and and. 
the first time I witnessed it was the day that they went back to school after being, uh, you know, due to COVID and the online schooling, the first day that they went back to school and they had to wear their mask all day. Yeah. He got overwhelmed. He got overheated. Um, they weren't allowed to take off the mask and he up and he left the classroom because he had to get out. And that was, and, and he called me mm-hmm. and he was in the middle of this full blown panic attack. He was freaking out. He was hyperventilating. He was panicking. He was running out of the school. And I remember I just, I just said to him, I said, get outdoors, take a breath. I'm on my way. Um, and that was the first time that I had witnessed that. And I think, you know, for me, that was like, oh my God, this is real. Because, you know, sometimes you don't know, you don't know what's real or how serious it is, or, you know, we're not trained. You had shared in that moment though, you had shared with me that in that moment, you said, we're not going to worry about this anymore. That's right. And I just thought that was an incredibly strong thing that you did as a parent to recognize we're not going to worry about school right now. We're going to worry, we're going to take care of this. And you gave him that instant support where most people would have just, you know, kicked somebody off the cliff and said, Hey, no, you're doing it my way. You're doing it the way I learned how to do it in the 1950s, 60s, 70s, 80s. You're going to do it this way. And you just accepted it. We're going to work together. We're going to walk side by side rather than front or behind. I thought that was incredibly powerful when you shared that with me. There's been so many things that you have shared with me that I wanted to share with everybody else with your permission. Mm-hmm. And, and they resonated with me so much. And that was one of them that you said in that moment, we're going to be okay. And we're going to forget Everything about all this other stuff. Fall into place because, fall into place. You know, at that point in his life, he felt, and you know, I, I showed you some notes mm. that he wrote earlier. He felt like he had ruined his brain. Yeah. He felt like he had disappointed everybody. He was embarrassed. Um, again, self-confidence, self-esteem gone and, uh, and all this pressure, he felt like he had to make everything right, right away. You know, he felt like he had to catch up on two years of schoolwork in, in two months and then he had to get everything figured out right away. I was like, you know, completely, completely overwhelmed, stressed, and then more sleepless nights, more panic attacks, more anxiety. Um, but you know, I think no, nobody knows, um, you know, like his mother. No, that's for sure. Right? <laughs> so, you know, I always felt I had that, you know, in my gut, I knew that if I could get him back into that gym environment mm-hmm. and that if he could connect with somebody on his level, that that was going to be a step in the right direction. But he couldn't be worrying about fixing everything at once, one thing at a time, because that's all that he was capable of focusing on at that point. So, you know, I said to him, I said, like, like, listen, you can start fresh in school next year. Mm. You can go back and you can start fresh and catch up. Yeah. And in the broad scheme of things, you know, over the next 80, 90 years, I don't think anyone's really going to care if you graduate in 2024, 2025 or exactly. If it takes you another year, it takes you another year, but we have got to get your mind and your body right. The rest is going to fall into place. Right. But we've got to get you right first. We had to build him back up. And for him, that meant getting back into a place where he could feel good about himself 
a place where he could start to see some results. He needed some momentum. So, and I didn't discuss this with anybody. Uh, you know, I, I spent two, three years trying to do everything that everybody else, do, doing what everybody else told me I should do. Every kid is different, mm. right? And, and we're not, we're not experts and we do not have all this figured out. And I'm not an expert. I'm only speaking from my own experience. Exactly. We are but not counselors. We are not counselors. <laughs> no, we might need public service counselors. announcement. <laughs> um, but, sure. you know, again, I know that, you know, he was at his best when he was involved in some sort of physical activity. So that was the goal was to get him back into the gym. I felt like things would start to take hold at that point. Getting him there wasn't easy. It took months of discussions and planting the seed and, and suggestions. And, you know, and a couple of times he was ready to go and then he'd, he'd back out. I mean, this doesn't happen overnight. Yeah. You know, it's, it's not a straight line up. It's a two steps forward, three steps back, mm -hmm. up, down, up, down. You know, and I'm sure, you know, there would have been more of that. I mean, he had a great success story, but I'm not sure that wouldn't have been the be all end all. Right. It's not something that you stop, you know, something you have to continue to work on. But we got him back into the gym. And, um, you know, I said to him at that point, I said, buddy, I'm taking everything else off your plate. The rest, of, we will worry about the rest later. All I want you to do right now is show up for your gym session mm -hmm. Monday and Wednesday at four o'clock. I'll worry about everything else. Yeah. The only thing you need to worry about is showing up Monday and Wednesday at four o'clock. The only requirement I had of him was that he show up. I would take on everything else. I would deal with everything else, everybody else. He just had to show up. And I can remember you could almost see the burden. You know, you could see him visibly relax. He only had one thing, yeah. right? And I, I could just see, I could see his shoulders relax. I could see, he's like, yeah, I can do that. I have to do one thing, I can do that. Um, so that's where we started. And the first day he went in, he came out, he got in the car, he was smiling, mom, this is exactly what I need. He was so happy, right? I mean, it was a, it was a step in the right direction. Now every day didn't go like that, right? right? That was the first day. Uh, but you have to remember, he still he still wasn't sleeping. He mm -hmm. he still wasn't feeling great. He hadn't been taking care of himself. He hadn't been eating well. He was underweight. He was you know he still had all of these anxieties. Um, but he made a promise to himself, and he made a promise to me. He made a choice. He made a clear, conscious choice to take responsibility for his own recovery. And that's key right there, because as much as everybody else wants the best for you, as much as everybody else wants you to succeed, you have to make the choice to take responsibility for your own wellness. The answer to every problem in the world exists. If you are looking to become a better person, a better relationship, a better, healthier person, um, if you're looking for anything at all, the answers are already there. The answers are already there. You Not can drive to your, No. Mm -hmm. And you can drive to the bookstore. You can go online. You can get every answer to the world, to, to what you need in the world in an instant. But the biggest decision that you have to make in life is that in itself the decision? 
And that's what I believe is the most powerful thing in Travis's story is that when in his time, he made the decision. And so many of us living today, no matter where we're to globally, will stew and look for an answer, look for a guidance, look for a path, as opposed to making the decision and then the rest will come from there. He made the decision. I think that is what is so powerful. That was the turning point. Yes. That was the turning point because that's the one thing that I couldn't do for him. Mm. I could not make the decision for him. You can guide him, you can support him, but nobody else can make that decision except you. Doesn't mean it's an easy one. So, but he made that choice and he made that promise to, to me and he made that promise to himself. And when I say, you know, the promise was you show up at the gym Monday, Wednesday at four o'clock. He didn't stay. He didn't always stay. You know, there, there were days that we got there and turned around in the parking lot and went home again. And there were days that he went in and he came out five minutes later because it was too hard that day. Um, It didn't matter. He showed up at four o'clock. That was the only requirement. It was, you know, baby steps, right? Baby yeah. steps, one day at a time. And if he he showed up and we got in a car and we drove to the gym, that was it. If he couldn't stay, I brought him home again. And we spoke no more of it that day, you know, until next Wednesday at four o'clock. But you know, so first couple of weeks, it was, you know, two steps forward, three steps back. There, there was a little bit of that. And there was a couple of times that, you know, he he didn't stay that long and came out but you know I remember I think it was about week three mm-hmm. he was having a hard day and he was not in good frame of mind he probably hadn't slept that night he was he was struggling that day he was visibly struggling that day and it took everything he had every ounce of energy he had to get himself up get in the car and make the trip to the gym that day and I remember he went in and I didn't even leave the parking lot. I stayed because I really didn't think that he was going to stay. Right. Um, I think that at that point he was fighting down one of those panic attacks. Mm. But that day he stayed and, you know, I talked to his trainer afterwards and, you know, he didn't say much. He was very quiet. And I, I think he probably spent the whole time pushing that down, but he pushed through it and he stayed that day. And, um, that was kind of like a turning point as well. You know, after that, it seemed things started to get a little bit easier. Mm-hmm. And every day that he went, he seemed to get a little bit stronger. Not just, you know, not only physically, yeah. you could see the physical results, yeah. but mentally and emotionally. Um, and it didn't take a long time to start to see some real change happening because, you know, very soon after that, uh, because, you know, he was getting his strength back. And not only were they working on the physical strength, but, I mean, his trainer was um, working with him on developing better habits mm. and the whole broad spectrum, you know, self-care, building better daily habits. Uh, he got in the – he wasn't eating well, you know, it's one thing. He got in the car one day, and he said, um, Matt says I need to eat four times a day. <laughs> Mom, how am I going to eat four times a day? I mean, he was hardly eating anything at this point. Um, And I said, well, you know, (laughs) you don't have to eat a lot, (laughs) but you need to eat something. 
and you need to be mindful of what it is that you do eat, right? So just, you know, small steps, maybe it's a boiled egg or, you know, toast, whatever, but, but his coach told him he needed to eat four times a day. So he made up his mind to eat four times a day. And every day you could see little changes happening because they were talking about things like clean eating, um, routine structure, getting more rest. Um, and again, it, it kind of took me back to his gymnastic days because if his coach said, what eat, you got to eat four times a day or... You know, you, you got to, you, 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 you got to do this. You got to do that. Yeah. He, he took that. He, he took that and he went with it. He needed, he actually got in the car one day and he said, mom, this is exactly what I need. I need somebody to tell me what to do. Mm-hmm. Okay. So every week from that point, he started to get physically stronger. Mm-hmm. Um, he kind of embraced this whole, you know, better habits kind of thing. So he made a conscious effort. Um, he would start to ask to go grocery shopping. I'd give him the cart and he'd run around and he'd pick up all his healthy foods. Cause you have to remember he had this knowledge from before. Yes. This wasn't new to him. This was a place that he was trying to get back to. But every day that he treated himself well, mm-hmm. that was another day that he felt a little bit better. And then he started to get stronger and then, you know, he was smile more and he was more relaxed and he started to talk more and he started to connect more. And, and then he started to get really excited. You know, he started to get really excited about his food choices. He started <laughs> to get really excited about preparing his meals. Yeah. Um, he got it. He started to get really excited about going to the gym and he came, he said, mom, can I go three times a week? Absolutely. (laughs) Whatever I need to do to get you there, you can go three times a week. I would, you know, not a problem. Um, He started to get really excited about life again because he was, you know, he he was feeling stronger and and he was, he was, uh, he was experiencing results, you know, not just physically, but confidence was coming back, self-esteem, um, people were noticing i believe he found life he did. Yeah. i believe that um he was living more in that yeah. time in his life than we live in 50 years oh yeah i you know at one point i said to him i said you know what buddy i said like you have figured things out this mm-hmm. year that a lot of people don't figure out you know in their 40s and 50s let alone at 16 yeah. right but you know and that's the thing you know so Again, this is why I talk about, you know, his story wasn't July 4th. His story was, you know, this is a 16-year-old who went down a hard road, hit bottom, and he fought his way back, but he made a decision. He made a choice. He wanted his life back, and he made a choice to get it back, right? Um, And he did. And he did. And And, and it wasn't a crazy, complicated thing process it was small changes every day that had an impact small changes to his daily routine little things baby steps one thing at a time let's focus on this first when that starts to get easier we'll add something else so you know during that period of time like i said he was getting really excited he was getting really enthusiastic he was feeling good again Mm -hmm. he was connecting with everybody 
he was speaking with everybody. He was reaching out to friends that he hadn't spoken to in years. He was reaching out to friends from four to five years ago that he hadn't been in contact with. He actually contacted his best buddy from first grade wow. who had moved out of the province mm. that Christmas in first grade. And it had been 10 years since they had connected and out of the blue, two weeks before his accident, he reached out to him and they were chatting. He connected with everybody in his life. He, everybody's last day with him, everybody had a good last day with him. He had a great day, you know, out with his man. He had a good night with his pop. You know, we had amazing, first time in his life that, you know, he was pleased with his haircut and, he, you know, everything was going well for him. And, um, and he was making plans and he was setting goals and he was excited about life again. So he was making plans to get his license, making plans to get a part-time job. Um, he was excited about going back to school in the fall and starting over. He says, okay, so I got to do some courses over. I have to do some courses over. He was okay with that at that point because his confidence was back right. and he was feeling good. And he knew that, you know, he, he could do that and that it was okay. Um, and people were taking notice. My, my family and I were, were talking about it because the, the conversations that we were having with him in the weeks prior to his accident were incredible. Like, he was amazing to be around. There was this energy around him and this enthusiasm and he was happy. And it was like, it was, it was actually, and, and I use these words prior to July, it was incredible to be around him during that time because he was feeling so good. And because he had a purpose again, and he had plans again, and he had come, he had fought his way out of that dark place. And that's why I share this, because if anybody mm -hmm. is out there and they, they feel like they're there right now, you feel like it's hopeless, and you, you feel like there's no way out, there's a way out. There is. There is a, there is a, there is a way out. It's going to take some work. It's going to make, it's going to take some, you know, maybe hard choices. But there is a way out and there are a lot of people standing by to support you and, you know, and, and encourage you along the way, but you've got to take that first step. And sometimes it's going to be two steps forward and three steps back. But you know what, if things didn't work out the way you planned today, you get up tomorrow and you try again. Mm -hmm. And, and that's been our motto this past seven months, you know, our, our, our lives were torn apart. We're never going to get to see them again. And that's really hard to live with. But, you know, I still have two daughters. And, you know, we had, we had two choices. You know, and one choice was to crumble and let everything fall down around us. And that's not a very attractive option. So we decided that every day we would get up and we would put one step forward. And we would keep putting one step forward every day until things started to feel easier, a little bit more manageable. Mm. It's different. It's always going to be different. But you got to keep taking that one step forward. So, you know, with Travis, I'd say the last few months with him were incredible. The conversations we had, and it, it was as if he was picking up speed, picking up momentum and, you know, two weeks prior to the accident, he was, it, it was, you know, we were talking about this before the accident because it was like he was 
And it was like he was putting everything into perspective. Mm. He was asking question after question that he was, he, he had so many questions. And it was like anything that he had ever wondered about or anything that had ever troubled him or tortured him, he was working it all out. He was talking it all out. He was putting things into perspective. He was sorting things out in his mind. He was rekindling past relationships. Like it was, it was amazing to watch. It was incredible to watch. And that, again, that's why we share it because mm. if he could do it, well then so can, so can you and so can your children. I mean, there is, you know, there, there, there is a way back uh, even when things feel, you know, pretty, pretty dark and helpless in the moment there are brighter days ahead. And, and, and he was a true example of that. But, you know, again, he found his way back through physical activity, through self-care, and through building better daily habits. Um, and the night of the accident, uh, we had been out that night. Um, his plans had changed a couple of times earlier in the evening. He was a little bit frustrated because mm -hmm. he was supposed to do this, mm -hmm. and then he was supposed to do that. It didn't work out. It's like, Mom, he said, can we go do something? I said, sure. What do you want to do? I want to go grocery shopping. Okay. <laughs> so I took him to Sobeys, and I gave him the cart, and I let him run around. And um, and again, and he was, like I said, really excited about, uh, really excited about his food choices and his meal prep, because at this point, he had actually figured out, he knew what foods made him feel good. And he knew what foods dragged him down, made him feel blah. I think we can all relate to that. I mean, yeah. If you eat crap all week, you're going to feel like crap. Yeah. Seriously, right? Garbage in, garbage out. A couple of days of, you know, eating well, and not, not just your body, but your yeah. mind as well, right? I mean, yeah. be, be careful what you let into mm -hmm. both your body and your mind. Yeah. Because if you take in garbage, it's you're going to feel like garbage. Yeah. Yeah. And he was very in tune with that. And he was talking about that. And it was, it was just fun to watch him run around in the grocery store. He, he came back, he had a watermelon. I swear to God, it was this big. And I said, Travis, you don't need a watermelon that big. Yes, mom, I do. And, and one thing about Travis is that when he set his mind to something, there was no stopping him, right? Just it it was better to go with him, you know, not you, just, just go with him, you weren't gonna stop him. The watermelon is big. You know, I said, well, why don't you get a half watermelon or a quarter? No, nope, I need the whole watermelon. Okay. So I'm going, you know, I'm going home with this massive big watermelon, which he never actually, you know, got a chance to cut into, unfortunately, but it did get used that week, you know, oddly enough. Um, but, you know, it was fun to watch him and it was fun to listen to him. And um, he was so excited about life at this point. So excited, making all kinds of plans. And, and what I learned afterwards was that he was out there sharing this with his friends. Mm. And one of his um, friends, actually um, the driver of the vehicle, you know, said to me, he said, Michelle, he was preaching this to us. He was talking about, because people were saying, you know, Travis is doing really well. What's going on with Travis? Right. Like everything is going his way. And, you know, he's, he's, he's a different, you know, kid kind of thing. He's happy and he's, you know, every, everything is just, Everything is going right for him. Everything is falling into place for him. And he was out there and he was talking about this and he was preaching this to his friends. And, you know, and, and again, that's, that's why I share because there were a lot of conversations that we had in the days and the weeks and the months prior to 
And a lot of the words that he spoke to me, it was too important to be just for me. Right. You know, when, you know, afterwards I, I sat back and, you know, I said, you know what, this, this needs to be shared. This wasn't just for me. I think that this was his way of getting that message out there to everybody because it feels like he put something into motion. It feels like, you know, he had a purpose and that his purpose was to, you know, he spent a lot of time on, you know, I, I don't know, Snapchat, FaceTime, you know, whatever with his friends, you know, talking them through hard periods in their life. A lot of them, you know, have shared with me afterwards that, you know, he was their, their go-to and, you know, he would stay off for, you know, talk them through and hold her hand, whatever they needed. Um, and I think that he's still doing that. I think that, you know, he, he, he was so. setting that example to say, look, you know, you, you can, you can get there too, and it is going to be better. And, and there are things that you can do. So, um, and, you know, and it doesn't mean that everybody needs to have a gym membership. It doesn't mean that everybody needs to be part of an organized sport. Um, I hear a lot of talk about people, you know, are on long, we, we know that, you know, our, our provincial healthcare system, long wait lists and mm -hmm. lack of supports and, and, and months, you know, of, of trying to get into, to see therapists or, or whatnot, but you know, in the meantime, you know, while you're waiting for that yes. or while I, you know, simple things like getting outdoors, going for a walk, mm. getting out in nature, you know, he spent a lot of time on the skateboard, you know, grab a friend and go <laughs> play a game of basketball, you know, there, there's listening to good music or, or, you know, spending time with animals. There are things that you can do, you know, to um, bring a bit of brightness into your day, uh, you know, to, to make you feel a little bit better today. And sometimes it is as simple as putting on your sneakers and, and getting outdoors and going for a little walk because, you know, things just might feel a little easier or, or a little clearer when you get back. Um, but, you know, the last, the last conversation that we had that night before he went out to hang with his buddies and this is what puts all of this into motion for us because right now we are working on building a wellness foundation in yes. his name. Uh, and to me, it feels like something that he laid out the roadmap mm -hmm. and put it into motion and, you know, talked to his, his friends and his peers about it. And it, it feels like he said, you know what? All right, mom, I laid it out. You need to pick this up and continue. Um, that night before he went out and after we did our grocery shopping, he stood in front of me and he said, um, he said, mom, he said, I didn't feel good last year and I didn't want to get out of bed because I didn't feel good. But he said, I don't feel that way now. He said, I feel great. I feel amazing. He said, I've got my energy back. And he said, I'm never going back to that place because I've never given this up. And he said, I wish that my friends knew how good this feels because then they'd want to do these things too. And that's what he was talking about. He was talking about the physical activity and getting outside in nature and, you know, uh, healthier food choices, you know, um, being conscious of who you spend your time around. 
uh, self-care and, and, and getting enough rest, um, you know, better daily routines. These are the things that he was talking about. And he wanted, he wanted all of his friends to know how good it felt so that they would do those things too. That's the conversation that he walked out of. So, you know, that's why we're doing what we do now. And um, we're, we've been working in the background to set up this foundation, the Travis Wheaton Wellness Foundation. Mm -hmm. And the initial goal uh, was that I wanted to raise funds to provide gym memberships and uh, mentorship, accountability, yeah. coaching type uh, components to go along with that for, for kids who might not be able to avail of something like that. Mm -hmm. um, so we're still working on that. Mm -hmm. uh, we've, we've got a lot of work to do. You know, so we're setting up board of directors and we're having meetings and phone calls. And uh, we've got a, a lot of great people who are very excited to be a part of this with us. Um, it's a big undertaking. Is there a place um, people can go? Um, we there the, the GoFundMe is, yes. is still active. Okay. Yeah, it's, it's at about 20k now. Um, the original there was that was a two-part uh, fundraiser. One was to raise legal fees for mm -hmm. for the driver, and um, the other part was to raise money to create this right. foundation. So so that is still active. And what um, would be the title for that for anybody wanting to look? Uh, Travis Wheaton Legal and Wellness Fund. Okay. And my Facebook page is open to everybody yes. and the whole story has been shared there. So everything mm -hmm. that we post has been posted with the hashtag Charles Wheaton Wellness. Yes. And hopefully within the next week or so, that'll have its own page and its own platform. Um, and you know, that we'll be able to um, still work, like I said, on, on the, the organization and the legal mm -hmm. entity and all of that kind of thing. We kind of got shot into limelight last week unexpectedly uh, we weren't quite ready to go public but but here we are and and after the events of last week or or two weeks ago you know it opened up some other conversations so it's gone now from wanting to raise money for some gym memberships and an accountability program to we need to address a much larger issue you know teenage wellness um, you know, we need to talk about things like grief and trauma support, for example, um, you know, or, or how do we get, you know, more discussion into schools around developing mental fortitude and, you know, emotional resilience and, and things like that. So uh, we've realized very quickly mm -hmm. after the tremendous response that we received to some of the other yeah. um, interviews and, and podcasts that, um this is something that um, is needed. It's needed quickly. Mm -hmm. And we have a lot of people waiting to, to, to see this roll out. So, you know, we're very encouraged by the, the positive response and, and the large number of people that have been stepping forward to offer their, their expertise, you know, from, from different backgrounds. Um, it's, uh, it's, oh. a lot. It's, it, it's a lot, but we're it's life. It, yeah. we, uh, it's, we're not going to back down. It's, um, it's been incredibly powerful for me to sit next to you over the last two conversations. Of course, I'm being greedy and I don't want these to stop. Um, but I really feel... As long as you're willing to let me use your platform, I can talk and talk and talk. Well, we're, we're just getting started. We are in we're it. And, uh, and I'm going to touch on that now. But um, thank you to everybody 
who have shared and liked and commented uh, on our last conversation. It was uh, the most globally listened to episode at this current time, which shows you where your heart and your passion is too. I do want to say that I have felt uh, in both times an incredible energy. Um, I, uh, I know Travis is here. Um, you know, touching his sneakers last week was an incredibly powerful moment for me. I continue to look over and see a beautiful smile that's laid out right there and some pictures. Um, it, it's an incredible energy that I feel and I feel that the story needs to continue. I, I, I did, we did speak last week about a headline and an event and, and today I'm so thankful that we, we shared a, a, an even more powerful story um, that I believe everybody can relate to and, and resonate with at, at some level. Um, life is happening for us, not to us. And I believe it's not what happens to us, but how you react to it that matters. And Travis has been, 100%. has shown us that no matter what cards he was dealt, whether it was a broken leg and subsequently from that, that he took ownership of his life and uh, in that moment you know when we accept that everything that happens to us good or bad is our responsibility or fault then that then and only then can we embrace or make the changes needed otherwise we need the other people and the world to change and that's probably not going to happen um we all have our chapters We've only shared a couple of chapters and we want to continue to share more with you. And we welcome any comments uh, that you want to leave with us uh, on this moment. It's been asked to me so many times that why is this personal to me? Why is this personal to you? And I get asked that all the time. You know, why is this personal? Why is this, uh, this, this journey for us? And, you know, why do we care so much about uh, this and why do we why do we work so hard to help other people rise from these moments uh, why are we so de devoted to this craft to this journey to this mission um, my answer is a simple one because this is personal for us uh, I believe that each of us has an inner hero wishing to see the light of day I'd run to the end of the earth to protect the insight that though you your past may have been harsh, your future can be brilliant. I'd wage a fierce battle for the thought that there are no extra people on the planet and it's inside each of us and our beating heart lies awe, wonder, and hope that needs never be lost. We live in a troubled world, yes, there is much to applaud and progress to be grateful for and not yet mediocrity is infecting the majority and average is infusing the herd. Take your work personally. Take your good name personally. Take your talent personally. Take your service to others personally. Take your life personally, because we do. Um, it's a tough time of the year for many. Um, isolation has become prevalent. But as restrictions are being lifted and we actually come out of a world uh, that whether we liked it or not was controlled for us. For a lot of us, not having control can actually cause an increased anxiety. I'm going to talk on behalf of both of us, uh, but we can measure everything except mental health. 
And I wanted to let you know that if you still feel isolated and or alone in the near future, and if you need to share and or vent with somebody, we would be happy to be that person. Never any judgment, only empathy. Please reach out to those who you think may be lonely. And remember, they don't have to be lonely. If you need a friend, we are here. Michelle, I'm going to thank you again, but I'm also going to leave this open for us to continue the story, I hope. Absolutely. Yeah, but like I said, we are, we're just getting started. Just getting started. And, you know, we're with the support and the responses that we've received um, through all of this. I mean, it, it just, it just, you know, affirms that this is something that needs to happen. Um, and, uh, you know, so somebody, we, we gotta be willing to take the first steps. So this is, and we're this, doing this that. is the first step and, and every share, you know, every mm -hmm. listen, every follow, every share, yeah. um, that, uh, you know, that, that's, that's what keeps us going. Yes. You know, people ask me constantly, you know, how, how can you do this or how can you be so strong to, to talk about this, you know, and, and yes, there are days that I want to hide in my closet. I, I won't lie, but knowing that people are, are hearing us, knowing that, you know, some of what we say or what we share or some of our experience might be helpful for somebody else going through their own experience. Well, then that's, that's what keeps us going here. And, um, you know, it's, uh, I, I don't see any other option. We, we've, um, you know, changes need to be made and discussions need to be had. And, um, you know, I feel very strongly that, that this is a topic, it frustrated me for years that I didn't hear more talk about, you know, th th this is not rocket science. Mm -hmm. These are basics, physical activity, self-care, rest, get outdoors, you know, be mindful of, of what you eat and, and, and who you spend your time around. This is not rocket science, but we don't hear enough talk about this as as a means to better mental health right so so the whole focus of what we're doing here is you know better mental health by improving your your physical health your your self-care and and better habit building um so i'd like to talk more about it i'd like i'd, to I'd like to it. i'd like us to create a, a wider audience mm -hmm. and and when i say that you know i i fully intend on you know, making movements to bring this into school systems or government level, uh, whatnot. We're, we're, we're thinking big here, but you know, we listening. have 100% faith that, you know, I, I think that, um, I think that the world and, and our province is ready for this. I think that we've hit a point where it's recognized that more of this is needed and that we need to be teaching our children these life skills at an earlier age and that we need to talk more about it. We need to do it more frequently. So, you know, resilience and emotional intelligence mm -hmm. and, and mental fortitude and, you know, because you, you know, you can take medication and, and I'm not saying there's not a place for it. There, there is, but it needs to be part of a bigger picture it doesn't make everything else go away. So we still need to learn how to live with, you know, we can't control everything that happens in our day, 
prime example. Yeah. We cannot control everything that happens to us, but we can control how we respond. So I, I'd like to see more of that discussion happening, you know, and, and more of these, what I want to call basic life skills yeah. being, being addressed in the school system and, and these conversations being introduced to our children at, at a younger age because it's, it's needed. We need it as adults and you know, we're figuring this stuff out in our 40s and 50s. We should be teaching this to 10 year olds. Travis chose life and I believe that we are, that the moment was right for his message because I believe, and we're gonna continue this, that we are coming into a very scary time when our doors are, are gonna be opened up for us again to come outside, to come out to a world that I don't know if we've prepared ourselves for. And I think his message is gonna help us with that. And uh, he's gonna guide us. Um, thank you so much. Um, Brent Morgan uh, brought us in and um, Brent is gonna take us back out again. And uh, we this look forward- This is a great song. I would encourage you to save this to your phone and listen to it when you're having one of those dark moments. Okay. You lose faith. 